Cyberspace is changing our ideas of reality. More and more of our world is located in the spaces between the ones and zeros, on the internet, within our computers, or in this ephemeral concept that we call cyberspace. Postmodern literary critic Catherine Haley's said, Underlying the idea of cyberspace is a fundamental shift in the premises of what constitutes reality. Reality is considered to be formed not primarily from matter or energy, but from information. Although information can be carried by matter or energy, it remains distinct from them. Properly speaking, it is a pattern rather than a presence. So what is reality? Is it the physical world around us? Or is it information? Can all of reality be distilled into ones and zeros and be freed on the internet to exist potentially forever? This leads some people to ask, what if the concept of our brains, the mind, or the self is just information as well? In this case, what if you could upload your brain to a computer? Free from this mortal body, you would be liberated from pain, suffering, bodily harm, and even death. Hypothetically, you could roam cyberspace for an eternity. For the newest seekers of immortality, this doesn't sound half bad. After all, our bodies as well as our brains, decay. Perhaps technology could provide this bizarre fountain of youth the ability to be freed from our mortal flesh. And some people are actually talking about this seriously. They imagine being able to scan the brain, mapping out all of the connections and neurons, and then transferring that data to a computer. There are actually startups, like 2045 Initiative, that are trying to figure out ways to cheat death and to upload the human mind into robots. This may sound like science fiction, and perhaps it is, but if you believe that the human mind is just data, ones and zeros so to speak, it might seem completely feasible. But there are questions to ask here. What is the difference between the mind and the brain? Can the mind live separately from the brain, and for that matter from the body? And how can you even create consciousness? This is Spark Dialogue Podcast. You can find us at sparkdialogue.com, on Facebook and Twitter, or wherever you find your podcasts. Spark Dialogue tells the stories of science and technology, and how they relate to our society, philosophy, ethics, culture, and the future. I'm your host, Elizabeth Fernandez. Spark Dialogue Podcast continues to operate with the help of listeners like you. In return for your support, you'll be given a chance to participate in the podcast, ask questions to our guests, suggest topics, and even see advanced content. You can find more information at patreon.com slash sparkdialogue. Hi, I'm Michael Hauskiller, and I'm Professor of Philosophy at the University of Liverpool in England. Michael looks into the philosophy behind death, the mind, and transhumanism. One of the questions that Michael asks, is it possible to upload someone's brain to a computer? What does that even mean? It is a very strange concept. I mean, the idea is that you can somehow scan the brain, uh, the neural network and the processes that are going on in the brain and the connections, and then create a software model of it, and then find an appropriate hardware and upload it, and then uh, create or recreate the same effects that a brain has, namely consciousness. For those that believe that one day the mind can be uploaded, 
They hope to not just upload the ones and zeros that spark within their minds. They hope that, if all of that information within their brains is uploaded, magically, their consciousness will follow. The idea is that the brain is something that results in consciousness, and it's an information processing device. And in theory, we could recreate a similar information processing device. And in theory, then the same effects consciousness would result. So how is it to be done? Well, get the details of the brain and record, scan every single detail of it, and then see what happens. Obviously, this has not been done. And if it can be done, it's still a long, long way off. How would this even be possible? Would your brain have to be scanned in some sort of fancy futuristic MRI machine? Would you have to sit and think every possible thought while its output is recorded? How would it capture memories or even subconscious firings within your brain? Or would the brain need to be removed, sliced, and analyzed for upload? No one really knows how you can record everything. So I, I guess the idea is to initially start with more general processes and recreate a brain, a human brain, and see whether that results in some kind of consciousness. And once that has been achieved, you can look at individual brains, um, which is a gigantic task because there are so many details that would be relevant here. I mean, you would have to be able to record, scan, whatever you do, all the memories that a person has. Not only the, the present state of someone's mind, but everything that is, that is in the background in what we call the, the subconscious that is also there that can be accessed by us at certain stages, but is not necessarily present at a certain moment in time. To be honest, I have no idea how this is going to work. And I suppose that most people working in this area don't have a clear idea of it either. Why would people want to do this? Perhaps it speaks back to one of our basic fears, death. For as far back as history is remembered, we have been searching for the fountain of youth. Back in the 5th century BC, the Greek historian Herodotus spoke of a magical fountain that gave those who drank from it long lives. Alexander the Great supposedly found a fountain that could heal those who drank from it. And the myth of Ponce de Leon and his search for the fountain of youth runs strong, even though it may not have much truth to it. The idea of mind uploading might hold that same appeal, the appeal of the fountain of youth. Well, I guess there are different motivations of people. I mean, one strong motivation certainly is um, to overcome death. So possibly not immortality, but a way um, to get rid of our mortal, vulnerable bodies and escape from the fate that comes with it. Um, but others might have a different motivation. They might just enjoy the prospect of being able to do things that you cannot do in this biological body that we have. So a kind of virtual digital existence which allows you to roam free through the internet and do all kinds of things that, that are now not possible. But I think the main motive is in fact overcoming death, finding a way out. 
Of course, one could argue that the internet is not forever. Computers crash all the time. An EMP could take out electronics. Viruses roam the cyber universe. What if one was to infect your brain? Do people who dream of uploading this take that into account? Well, the answer to them is simple. Just like what you do with your laptop, you would make a backup copy. You will always be able to create backup copies. And it's the same when you write a text and you need a backup copy in order to prevent this from happening. And once you have been able to do the main thing, namely upload your mind onto your computer, you can easily create backup copies. So the hope is that you become not only independent of the particular organic biological body that we happen to have right now, but the hope is that we will eventually become independent of any kind of body, including an artificial computer kind of body. So we are or would be then the software that could be run on any sufficiently appropriate hardware. Uh, so the hardware can be destroyed without destroying the software, which is what we would really be. Things might get weird with copies of your mind roaming around cyberspace. If there are copies, would they go on to live their own existences with their own set of memories? Would they be clones of you? And which one would actually be the real you? So we don't know, right? So that is one possibility, right? That the mind or the self diverges and we have different copies of myself who each live their own life. But of course, then you might say that those other copies are not really me anymore. There can only be one me. Um, and if there's no connection between those different copies, then they cannot all be me. Only one can be me. Or rather, for one copy, it seems to be that they are me. And for the other copy, it seems that they are me, right? But in, in fact, there are two different selves there. But the other possibility is that we are kind of distributed in space so that those different memories and different experiences that we make somehow add up to a whole experience that defines who I am. Um, now, that sounds a bit difficult to understand, perhaps. But imagine, for instance, us as we are now. We have a body, right? Uh, and that body is distributed in space. And we have two hands. And those two hands are not in the same space. Right? They might be a meter or two apart. But still, they are both united in the experience that makes me me. That could also be the case if you have different bodies. So having two bodies, two complete bodies, and uniting them in one experience is not more difficult to conceive, to, to imagine, than having two hands, and uniting them in one and the same experience. So what would it be like to be an uploaded brain? Our existence is filled with all sorts of input. We can see light coming through our windows. We hear the birds chirping, smell a cup of coffee. We feel the gentle warmth of our beds, the coziness of a snuggle from our child or our spouse. What would an existence be like apart from these senses? How much of us comes from how we interact with the world? There's no reason to assume that there would be no connection to the world. We could have senses, right? Computer have senses now. 
why wouldn't we be able to have different senses? It wouldn't be our natural senses, it would be different senses, or at least differently created, but we don't have to be existing in a black box. We could have channels towards the outside world. But would this be the kind of existence we would want? We would also lose all of those moments of simple joy that make life life and that make humans human. With all the possibilities that we think we would have, would gain through mind uploading, our existence would necessarily be a very different one. And no one is is able to say, no one is able to predict how this is going to be like, what it is to be like to be a uploaded mind rather than a human being as we are now. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's worse. It, all we can say it's most likely very different from what it is now. We would also lose suffering and pain. Is that a good thing? Maybe, some would argue. But you can also argue that suffering, pain, and loss is part of what makes us human, at least a little bit. This is one of the other goals shared by those who um, are very much in favor of exploring a technology such as mind uploading, um, a goal such as um, getting rid of all human suffering. Um, and yes, that would change who we are. But again, those who are in favor would argue that this is a change for the better, not for the worse. Because you can say, yes, it would change the human experience. It would change who we are and what we are. But why is that a problem? I mean, it's not exactly my view, but you can always argue that, right? I think we would actually lose something, right? But it's not just a change. It is something about the way we are in this world and what is good about the way we are in this world. Now, you might say, how can suffering or pain ever be good? Well, it's not in itself good, but it focuses the mind on certain valuable things. Uh, and if you imagine that we would be incapable of of suffering, then certain things that are precious to us would no longer be precious because part of valuing something, part of appreciating something, part of loving something has to do with the possibility of pain, the possibility of suffering. Because if you love someone, for instance, um, but there's no way you can suffer if you lose them or if something bad happens to them, then this is not really love, is it? So uh, also the experience of beauty um, is all often an experience that is connected to a certain kind of suffering. But anyway, there might be might be positive aspects to our ability, our potential to suffer and that will no longer be available to us once we have an existence that is immune to suffering and that is what a digital ex uh, existence is meant to be. Without suffering or pain, without simple joys, without the senses that we have come to depend on, what would we be? Would we still be human? Or would we be something different? Perhaps we would be a new something entirely. Yes, definitely, that would be the case. But once again, the question is, and that depends on your attitude towards life and, and towards human existence, whether that is a good thing or a bad thing.
So who would this uploaded brain be? It may not be human, but would it be you? There's an old story and analogy that we can use called the ship of thesis. Imagine a ship that is a broken plank. It gets replaced. Then the mast gets replaced. Then the rudder. And then the steering wheel. This continues until every single piece of the ship is replaced. We can ask, is it the same ship that it started out to be? Or is it a different ship? If it's a different ship, at what point did the ship stop being the old ship and start being the new ship? Michael says we can think of the body in a similar way. No one would say that a person with a prosthetic leg is a different person. But what if this person had all of their limbs replaced with prosthetics? Then their organs, and then their heart. They received image processing and memory implants. Finally, they replaced their entire brain with circuits. Would they be the same person? And at one point, would they stop being themselves and start being someone or something else? That is actually an analogy brought up by uh, Ray Kurzweil, um, who argues that if we gradually replace the body uh, and then um, eventually make the ultimate step and replace the body completely so that we upload ourselves to a computer, then since every step along the way, we will remain ourselves, we will keep, preserve our identity throughout the process, there's no reason to suspect that we will stop being ourselves and lose our identity once we make the final step to, to uploading. But for me, the, the main question is, is not that. The main question is, um, whether mind uploading is philosophically conceivable, philosophically possible, not technologically, not scientifically. That's a different question. And boom, what I mean by that is whether <clears throat> the assumptions that we make about what the mind is, what consciousness is, and what we are, are justified because we need to make certain assumptions. We need to assume, for instance, that the mind is somehow detachable from the brain and from the particular organic body that we have. Only if that is the case, if the mind can be detached and our personal identity can be detached from that, is mind uploading conceivable? So it's not just about the technology. Technologically, all kinds of things might become possible uh, in the future. Um, so we may be able one day to create this very detailed scan of the human brain or even individual human brain that we might need in order to make mind uploading a success. But that is not enough. In order for it to be successful, we need to have a mind that is detachable from the brain, and perhaps that is not the case. Of course, again, we don't know, because we don't really know what the connection between the brain and the mind is. It's a mystery. We have no idea how it is possible for us to have a mind in the first place. So that that is a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is that it leaves open the possibility that we can recreate minds by artificial means. And the bad thing is that we may well not, because it might just not be possible. Ah, now we have hit on something important here. There is a difference between the mind and the brain. 
Some people think of the mind as the verb and the brain as the noun. Others say the mind is you and the brain is the organ that makes you possible. And I'm not even getting into concepts such as the spirit or the soul. But let's just concentrate on the mind for now. Can the mind be separated from the brain? This we do not know. But it might also not be fair to say that it can be separated from the body either. There are so many things, hormones, chemicals, senses, that originate from our bodies that also affect the mind, from how stressed we are to what we're feeling to the feelings of love. The body plays a role as, as well, so it's very doubtful that by just scanning the brain we might capture the essence of the human mind or individual human mind. Um, but again, that is not the, the, the main problem. It seems to me that the main problem is that uh, the assumption is also about what makes us who we are not only as human beings because we might no longer want to be human beings but what we want to be and what, what, what we want to remain is ourselves the particular individual being that we are now and it's not clear whether that can be captured by scanning the information or reliably recording all the information that constitutes me objectively speaking that is that I'm a particular person with particular memories particular ideas in my head particular feelings and so on this is information right and in principle perhaps we might be able to um, replicate this information but it seems to me that we're much more than just information we're not just walking algorithms we are more than that and and the more is somehow it's in the self the fact that we are also living perspective on the world which we call self right um for instance if we imagine that we have exactly the same mental states you and i at a certain point in time that wouldn't make us the same persons it would still be you having the state of mind and me having the same same state of mind. My point here is that this particular state of mind, again, feelings, thoughts, memories, and so on, can perhaps be seen as a particular set of informations. But the self that has this mind, experiences this mind, or experiences these mental states, that is not itself a piece of information. It's something different. The brain might be able to be quantified by ones and zeros, but the self, what makes you you, might not be. And the only thing that mind uploading can do, if it's ever going to work, is replicate information. And if we're not information, what really makes us us as a particular person with a particular self and identity, then mind uploading inevitably must fail. We can think of this in a different way. Imagine a book. There is the story, and then there is the physical book. The story is immaterial. It is not made from atoms or electrical impulses. But the book is whether it be on paper, on your tablet, or as an audiobook. Even though we may create, recreate 
a model of a particular brain, this might not result in the same kind of experience, right? And it's like you have a book in a, in a certain format, and there's a certain story that is being told in the book. Right? And it might be if you have a different format, the book in a different form, um, then the story is different. But of course, as we know, we can have the same story in very different versions. Versions, I mean, we can have it as a written one and as an audio book. Uh, we can have it just in our mind. Um, so there are different ways in this story can be physically represented. But it's the same story, and perhaps that is the same way with the brain on the one hand and the computer or the hardware uh, that is being used to upload the mind uh, on the other. So we have the same story that is the same mind on bo in both these different physical substrates. However, there's a problem here. Namely, that the self is forgot. That can be compared in this particular analogy to the reader of the book. So you have the book as a physical object. You have the story, which is not physical and can be, um, can manifest itself in different physical objects on different physical constellations. But there's also the reader. Uh, and the reader is the one who actually brings the story to life. And in the whole process of mind uploading, there is no, no room for the reader. Necessity of there being such a reader is not being taken into account. It is assumed that no reader is necessary, that the reader is not something that exists independently of the content right, of the book. So the mind you can see as a content, as I said, certain feelings, memories, thoughts, and so on. This is a content. This is information. But this information is dead. It's inert without a mind, a self that actually is aware of the content. It's the awareness that brings it to life. And since we have no idea where this awareness comes from and how it relates to the physical substrate, in this case, the brain. There's no way we can figure out how to recreate this by copying the information. So who is the reader in this story? What is the self? Where does the consciousness come from? If you believe that the self is information, just ones and zeros then sure, it seems completely feasible that you, as yourself, can be uploaded into a computer. But if you believe the self is something more, then mind uploading will never work. They assume that consciousness is just that, information, data, nothing else. Right? It may be that we can understand the mind in terms of its content as information. Right? Again, thoughts feelings, memories. This is information. But it seems to me that the mind as a mind is more than that. Namely, awareness, subjectivity, self, whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't call it soul or spirit because that, that, is, that assumes a kind of substance, 
right? So there's a body on the one hand and the soul or spirit uh, on the other. What I mean is that perspectivity, that looking at the world, like when you when you when you see the world, you're looking through your eyes, and the content is what you see, but the seeing itself is not part of the content, and that is not being taken into account. There is not just content, the what is seen, but there is also the seeing, and this is not is is something that we have no idea how to capture, even if we find a way to capture the content of our minds. So who is right? In the far future, let's imagine that someone developed technology to upload someone's mind, and some elderly billionaire wanted to give it a try. He uploaded his mind. Would we actually have any way to test that it worked? Could we devise an experiment to say, yes, this is the same person that that elderly billionaire used to be? Or is his uploaded mind no longer him, just something else pretending to be the same person? We already have that problem with other people. We just assume, I just assume that you're conscious, right? Um, but I don't have any way to prove that you are, that you're not. Even if I try to open you up and look into your brain or whatever, I wouldn't be able to find out whether you're conscious or not. It's just through the way you behave, through the way you talk, the way you answer, the way you question and so on. Uh, and, Ultimately, also because you're a human being, and I'm um, through my experience and through my general assumptions um, uh, of life, I'm just assuming that other human beings are conscious just as I am. Um, but even there, we are not able to prove it. Now, if we have a mind on a computer, we have a machine that speaks to us and tells us that they are conscious, then it's even more difficult because we know that those machines have been created. It's artificial, right? Um, so we cannot be sure. And that, of course, is a problem for, for mind uploading. Let's say you try it. We have developed the technology. Someone tells us, yes, we can do this. We can, we can scan your individual brain perfectly to the last detail. And you decide, yes, you want to do this. So we have your brain scanned and the brain is destroyed in the process. And we create that software model. We somehow upload it to a computer. And then we ask questions and say, are you there, Elizabeth? Right. And the computer answers, yes, I'm here. It worked. Fantastic. I'm so happy. We would have no idea that we would have no way to prove that it's really you. Now, it might be that there's no consciousness whatsoever. There's no mind, no mental experiences. It's just the program that responds in a certain way, pretty much like computers do now, right? We don't think they're conscious, um, even though sometimes they might appear to be conscious through the way they respond to us. But we can't be sure. We cannot be sure then either. But even if they were conscious, right, let's say they are conscious, then that doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually you. Perhaps this computer that speaks to me and tells me that he or she is Elizabeth, um, that doesn't mean that they are Elizabeth. Um, 
And either they might just pretend to be it, or they might think they are, but they're not. <laughs> Would it work? There are so many things that we don't understand. Where does consciousness come from? How is the mind separate from the brain? And can it be separated from the brain? Is the mind just ones and zeros? Or is it more than just dead information, as Michael calls it? What really motivates people to take such desperate of a measure? The fear of one's own death, because that's, that's what it's ultimately all about. Transhumanists say that, and believe, I guess, that death is the greatest evil. Um, and only if we think that death is such a great evil, we need to find ways such as this one to overcome it. It's a desperate measure. Um, and I'm not sure that we should see death in that way so that we try everything we can possibly can in order to avoid it. And, and perhaps, perhaps what we may get through the uploading of our minds, even if it worked, which I don't think it will, but even if it worked, might be worse than death is. Mind uploading may never work. Still, to think about it raises a lot of interesting questions. It forces us to consider what makes us, us. What are we in this world? And are suffering, pain, and our human existence really burdens? Or are they fundamentally part of what makes us, human? Spark Dialogue Podcast is produced by me, Elizabeth Fernandez. You can find us on the web at sparkdialogue.com, on Facebook and Twitter, and any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can become a patron of this podcast at patreon.com slash sparkdialogue. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you in two weeks for another episode. Some of the background music that you heard was by me. Others are clips from Dreams Become Real and Sky Cullen by Kamen McLeod. Melancholen Coasts by Phaser, Ook Sounds by Airtone, and Dirt Roads by Kevin McLeod. More information about these songs can be found in the show notes at sparkdialogue.com. <laughs>